Hello, welcome to Lambdaforms Radio. The following is the audio version of the latest issue of my newsletter, titled Dancing About Metal. It hardly matters in the grand scheme of things, but one of my minor gripes about this whole situation is that it interrupted what felt like a positive swing in my social life. I was seeing my friends often and spending time with more than one crowd. I felt like a local at a few different places, friendly with bartenders and cashiers, that sort of thing. And maybe most surprisingly since moving back, I had started going out to dance. I've written about why I love dancing before, but that love changed recently. The last few times I'd gone dancing, my appreciation shifted from the joy that dancing brought me personally to the joy of dancing with other people. That shift felt familiar to me. I'd gone through a similar process as a drummer. As I got better at drumming, I could feel my ears expanding outwards. I was no longer hearing my playing only in relation to itself or to the song as some abstract other. I started hearing my playing in relation to the other musicians in the room, not just how our parts work together, but how we were affecting each other in the moment. More experienced nightlife types or EDM festival goers already know this, but feeling the same degree of interconnection with a packed dance floor is overwhelming. I remember texting a friend of mine after a good night out, trying not to sound like I was stating the obvious by describing how good it felt to dance to ABBA in a crowded room. Clubs are, of course, built to elicit this feeling through lighting, decor, and loads of booze. But giving into that sense of togetherness and transcendence doesn't make you a sucker. It means you got what you came for. So here I am, armed with this new knowledge of how to make myself feel good, ready to join the human race with the confidence that it took me years worth of trial and error to capture. And in the blink of an eye, I now live my life in a tight circuit of bed, desk, kitchen, and bathroom. Hardly worth complaining about, and I hope it doesn't sound that way. But being suddenly denied this new way to spend my time has forced me to think about why, for so long, I denied it myself. The chicken and egg problem up front. Did I become attracted to music that didn't have a social emphasis on dancing because I didn't feel comfortable dancing? Or did getting into these genres at a young age discourage me from dancing? The truth is probably somewhere closer to symbiosis or a feedback loop. How much of my attraction to heavy music and what I'll loosely term inside boy music, i.e. Radiohead, IDM, prog rock, etc., came from a sense of not belonging in popular culture to begin with. And where did that sense come from? Nature, nurture, chicken, egg. However I ended up there, I spent my formative years in subcultures that had a physical relationship to music vastly different to the one enjoyed by my peers. 
while my classmates were learning to bump and grind, I was getting bumped to grind. My point earlier about how dancing wasn't socially acceptable in heavy music doesn't tell the full story. The music itself makes traditional dancing nearly impossible. Tempos are either too fast or too slow. The rhythm's either not syncopated enough or so tricky that casual listeners would be thrown from one measure to the next. All of this is part of the appeal if you're looking for music to happen to you rather than with you. And just because you aren't supposed to dance to this music doesn't mean you aren't expected to move. Let's talk about moshing. If you're unfamiliar, moshing is a largely arrhythmic and highly aggressive style of dance popular in the metal, punk, and hardcore worlds, although it has also recently gained traction in hip-hop over the last decade. I call it a style of dancing, mostly for social reasons that I'll get into later, but there aren't any steps to learn, and being good at moshing rarely means moving in sync with the tempo of a song. Moshing isn't entirely formless, however. Like all kinds of dancing, it is organized by unspoken and strictly enforced social codes. There are, for example, significant differences between the correct way to mosh in the metal scene as opposed to the hardcore scene. In metal, the crowd turns into a self-regulated pinball machine. Non-moshers clear the center of the room, leaving space for dancers to push and shove each other with reckless abandon. Sometimes there will also be a thin membrane of concertgoers that patrol the outer edge of the pit. These folks on the edge serve two purposes— keeping non-moshers safe from getting knocked off their feet by careening moshers and stoking the pit by pushing moshers back into the fray. For what it's worth, I've always enjoyed playing this patrol role, in part because it's easier to focus on the music and because it's perversely fun to be the immovable object to an unstoppable force. The fascinating thing about push pits is that they largely don't correspond with anything happening in the music itself. There are exceptions. For example, the circle pit, where the audience is encouraged to run along the edge of the pit in a circle. But by and large, this disconnect between music and response is the point. Moshing is the lawlessness that metal purports to represent made literal. No steps to memorize or tempo to obey only adrenaline and pure kinetic energy. This is as much of a lie as the idea that metal has no rules or laws. How's the Metallica tune go? You can do it your own way if it's done just how I say. But unlike the rigid dogma that often keeps metal from growing as a musical genre, the unspoken rules of moshing are mostly for the best. If someone falls down, it is your duty to pick them up and keep them from getting trampled. If someone wants out of the pit, you do all you can to get them out safely. Most importantly, you keep the physical contact limited to pushing and shoving rather than throwing punches, swinging fists, or lifting your leg to kick anyone. 
it's that last rule that fiercely divides moshing and metal and moshing and hardcore in hardcore you keep your fists closed and your legs loaded for action hardcore dancing is as the name would suggest slightly closer to real dancing and that it only happens in response to changes in the music the best comparison i can draw to you is dubstep you wait eagerly as the track warms up, steadily building anticipation and bouncing on your heels until the song reaches a point of unbearable tension. Then bam, the drop. In hardcore, this moment is called the breakdown. The music fragments. Any hint of melody is replaced with thudding rhythm. The entire band now an extension of the drums. As in metal, the middle of the floor opens up and dancers leap in to fill it. But instead of rushing into each other, hardcore dancers mark off their own territory by swinging their arms and kicking out their legs. The joke metalheads often make about hardcore dancers is that they look like they are fighting invisible ninjas. But really, hardcore dancing is about warning off assailants before they even try anything. It is a way of saying... This is what will happen if you get too close to me, and I might decide to get too close to you just for the fuck of it. If your only interaction with hardcore dancing is watching skinny teenage suburbanites flail in youth-large t-shirts at the Warp Tour, you probably think it's a deeply silly way of behaving at a concert. As someone who's spent plenty of nights in absolute shitholes like the Red Room in Queens or Dock Street on Staten Island, I can assure you that hardcore dancing in the right setting is no laughing matter. I have seen fights break out, seen bullies use a breakdown as a chance to impose their will on unsuspecting members of the crowd. I once watched a man get hit so hard that his whole body collapsed onto the bar. Upon impact, he suffered a head injury so severe that he had to be carried out onto the street with blood dripping down his t-shirt. And while I've never been seriously injured in the pit, I've had the wind knocked out of me by a donkey kick and got a gnarly nosebleed of my own from a misplaced elbow. I've also seen moments of real acrobatic beauty. Cross-body strikes leading to spin kicks that lift the dancer off the ground their legs arcing a path over the heads of the crowd. Backflips, front flips, knots of limbs formed and unformed too quickly to describe in words. I was never very good at hardcore dancing myself, but I've always appreciated that it was possible to be good at hardcore dancing to begin with. Unlike metal mosh pits, hardcore pits were a place where it was possible for a talented dancer to express themselves and blow off steam at once. Metal push pits have their own appeal too, but there the release is in losing your sense of individuality. In a big enough push pit, the boundaries between you and other concert goers dissolve into a blur. Who you were before entering the pit melts away until all that is left is the power that metal has on your body and your soul. Hardcore dancing isn't tolerated at metal shows and push pits are scoffed at at hardcore shows. This isn't just petty scene politics or Seussian butter battle bullshit. 
the two styles have distinct purposes. Hardcore dancing reaffirms the individual in a world that crushes individuality. Metal moshing creates community for those who feel bereft of it. In this sense, neither are that different from dancing in less aggressive spaces. The only real distinction is that while dancing at the club simulates sex, dancing to heavy music simulates violence. Both have their value, and I'd argue that both are necessary on some level for a healthy society. Maybe you prefer your simulated violence in sports, or you like to get real abstract and play chess. I'm not here to judge. But a diet of one alone isn't good for anyone. And for too many years, my nightlife consisted of simulated violence alone. But where to begin breaking free and learning to dance like a normie? First, there was a dalliance at Neo in Chicago, where it was acceptable to wear all black. A few nights later, I joined friends to dance during tonight's punishingly loud DJ set at Pitchfork Festival. All that staccato brass and deafening bass wasn't too unfamiliar to my metalhead ears. Emboldened by success, I started to push the boundaries inside of my comfort zone. I found myself stepping through Russian circles mosh pits like I was an extra in a pop video. On some level, I was trying to ruffle feathers. I've always found the macho preening involved with heavy music to be archaic and enjoyed thumbing my nose at convention. But on a deeper level, I was building self-confidence in an environment where I knew I could survive any judgment cast my way. So why did I deny myself the joy of going dancing for so long? The same reason we often deny ourselves pleasure. Fear. I was afraid that it would be clear that I did not belong. That my years spent learning the social rituals of the underground would forever mark me as an outsider that had no right leaping into action at the opening strains of Dancing Queen. This sounds stupid, mostly because it is stupid, but fear operates on a level deeper than reason, especially where identity is concerned. Those days are thankfully long behind me. Now I happily toggle between both worlds, comfortably hitting the club in a converge shirt. I hit most places in a converge shirt, if I'm being honest, or sneaking in a decently sturdy Millie rock during a metal show. The benefit of this dual citizenship is that it reveals how scant the differences are between the urge to mosh and the urge to dance. Once you dig past aesthetics, the purpose is the same. We all feel the need to move, to be part of the crowd, and to sweat off the burden of being alive. I hope we can all meet in the pit again soon. Thank you for listening. More episodes soon.